What is going on, everybody? It's the ATIA show. And yes, this is a relaunching of this podcast. If you heard me before, thank you for coming back. Appreciate you listening. If you're new, what's up? Sit back, relax. We are going to attempt to entertain you. So yeah, um, we are changing the format again. I'm getting a partner and that's going to be Eric. He is going to join me in the next segment. But for now, I'm going to talk about Narcos Mexico Season 2 to kick off this new iteration of the show. The reason why he's enjoying me is because he was too young to watch it last year. And he might be still too young to watch it this year. But definitely, if there's a Season 3, he will be joining me for that. So, before we get into it, just know there will be spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers for Season 1. For Season 2. And here we go all right there's 10 episodes obviously there's a lot to cover and it's difficult to go episode by episode because i binge watch this in a matter of a day and a half and some episodes do run in together so i'm just gonna pick out three or four things that stuck out to me and we're gonna go from there so the first thing that really caught my attention is Diego's Luna's performance as Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo. I definitely think that he deserves some recognition, whether it's an Emmy win. I don't know if you, there's best actors or how the Emmys work, but yeah, I guess like best actor, best performance by a male, whatever it is. I think he definitely needs to take that trophy home or in the very least get a nomination because he really brings his character to life whether he's being menacing as he's conveying his orders or the regret he sort of expresses when he's longing to be with his family once again he makes you feel those emotions and from a character who is essentially one of the most evil evil persons in the world who's responsible for so much death and destruction in in order for in order for i got tongue tied there the fact that diego luna makes you feel sympathy for this character really says a lot about what he brings to this performance and honestly like I was blown away by by what he brought to the table, especially in the end where he's breaking down what's going to happen by him going to prison. Wow, that's powerful. There's like two or three scenes you can pick out and put in a highlight reel as you're like presenting a nomination. But that last one really puts it together because it shows you what he's all about. You know, he brings some of that menace by taunting the DEA agent played by Scoot Mitnary, talking about what happened to Camarena or, you know, really understanding the field and what's going to happen as he's telling him where things are going to go now, now that the Federación is broken up and that everybody is the boss of their own territory and they're going to run the cartels independent of, independent of each other. That scene right there was incredibly powerful and I think... The, that's what really drives it home, you know, to end the season on that note. He should definitely win. I know I said it like three times, but I'll say it one more time. He definitely should win an Emmy for his performance. Second, uh, I want to talk about just the overall story where we ended uh, last season. Felix Gallardo had evaded capture. He betrayed some of his earliest partners and Rafael Caro Quintero and Don Ernesto. They went to prison for uh, the murder and 
kidnapping of Kike Camarena and essentially he got off scot-free and began to build his big empire and put things together in a scale that no one had ever seen before to being all the different areas under one flag and essentially be the boss at the top was unheard of at the time and eventually you know it was going to come crashing down like it did how we saw in this season but you know that lasted for at least a good six five to six years and to really hold that together because once you get human emotion involved and people start holding grudges against each other and that's always going to come crashing down just it's unavoidable not only that but him essentially just running the show and putting himself above everybody else and making all the decisions you know once again human emotion that was going to rub people the wrong way and that's pretty much what brought his downfall and it was just crazy to see how he put it all together and yeah it lasted for some time but you know the crash was unavoidable and by the end of this season we see him like at the beginning of the season have this crazy birthday party where he gets gifted a tiger and you know he's at the top of his game by the final shot of the season you know he's in prison and you know all that stuff has gone away so that was like uh i think they did a good job of really illustrating that and some people say that uh nautical's really uh romanticizes and glorifies this type of lifestyle but i feel that it's the complete opposite because you look at this you're at the top of your game but you're always gonna have to be looking to behind you to the side of you who's coming to get what you got who wants to be where you're at and i don't think that's like a pleasant life to live you know when you're paranoid like you don't know where the betrayal is coming from you don't know where the knife is coming from not only that, you're going to have to do a lot of horrible things to get where you, to where you need to get to. Now, some people might look at the show and be like, whoa, like they're so cool. They're so glorified. But to me, it's just like a terrible, a terrible life choice to make, you know, because of how you're going to have to live and the things you're going to have to do to reach that level. It's just, I don't know. I think the show does, at least to me, does a good job in illustrating that and you know that these people although sometimes they seem vulnerable and they make them look human these guys are monsters you know they've ordered and been behind so much death and destruction like it's hard to really like root for them and if you do root for them like Diego Luna said you should probably see a therapist I don't know if you guys saw that uh, I think I think it was last year he was on the Daily Show or whatever talking about admiring you know the real life characters these stories are based on, and that was his response. If you do, you probably they asked him if he admired um, Gallardo. And he, his line was something like, um, "No, that's terrible." And if you do, I knew a few therapists. But anyway, yeah, I kind of see it the same way. I don't see the glorification of these human of these people. I just see like people becoming monsters and losing their humanity even though it might be glimpsed here and there and that's probably because of the performances i'm sure that the real life characters are a little different so back to giving um diego luna credit for his performance as miguel angel felix gallardo the other thing that really caught my attention that i like that everyone spoke different you got um benjamil and the felix ariano people in the border they had a certain way of speaking they had their own way of using slang terminology that really differed itself from the people in Sinaloa and Chapo and Hector Palma and all those people there, Cochiloco, R.I.P. Cochiloco, um, to how they spoke down in Juarez and the Golfo area. They all have their unique way of 
using the language, using the curse words, uh, the the inflection in the voice, the way they elongated or shortened certain words. And I really like whoever was in charge of that aspect should get a raise because they sort of nailed the different accents and the different way people use uh, different terminology, especially when it comes to slang in the different areas of Mexico. Um, so that's the thing that really stuck out to me. And I really like that. They know one group because of the areas where they were from. They spoke very different. And I don't know how many people are going to catch that, especially if you're watching it in English and you're reading the subtitles that might go over your head. But me being a Spanish speaker, uh, it really caught my attention like off the bat. And I can't remember. I'm pretty sure they did the same thing. Uh, in the first season but this is the first time i really paid attention to the way they spoke and it was corresponding to the different people you know whether it was on the border or in other places and i really dug that so if the showrunner uh director the writers whoever it was mad props for that and yeah um the final thing i wanted to touch on is that i really like the season i'm looking forward to a third season and there has to be a third season especially how it's set up everyone's gonna run their own show now everyone's gonna be the boss of their territory and like gallardo said that's gonna lead to bloodshed especially between the cartels in tijuana the cartel in sinaloa because we already saw the division between them we saw that, you know, they got, it got personal with them. You saw them go back at each other, back and forth, back and forth until Gallardo had to step in and sort of put a, you know, squash the beef. And that and essentially was beginning the beginning of the end of La Federación because emotions started to get involved and people started caring more about their personal gripes than, you know, the overall uh, health or stature of the business as a whole so his predictions are gonna become reality if you're at all familiar with narco history you know that's what's coming there's gonna be a ton of bloodshed and instead of working together especially Sinaloa who's got the top workers and Tijuana who's got the border instead of those two groups coming together and running the whole show uh, as running the entire drug game you know between themselves they're really going to weaken each other it's going to open the door for other people to slip in and try to run the whole thing because these people are sharks they're lions when they see fear when they see vulnerability when they see blood in the water their natural instinct is going to be to strike and try to move in and that's just going to cause a ton of problems and i'm just kind of hyped to see uh it all unfold in season three if there is in season three i don't know if they confirmed anything or not um i need to look that up i'm sure it'll be like maybe a week or a week or two before they come out and say it but um due to the popularity of the show i don't know how this season was received i haven't seen anybody talk about it other than well actually i haven't seen anybody talk about this season at all but i know the other the other season went was received well enough to where we got a second one so to me this being the best season of all five i'm pretty sure that there will be a third season or at least i hope so and yeah there, i mean what else can we do i mean like i said it's a 10 episode season it's hard to break down individual things i just wanted to talk about it in general terms and the last thing I'll talk about because you know this is essentially where they left the cliffhanger is 
the operation leyenda and the failure of it you know this was the united states response to kike camarena's death they sent in like this task force made up of american de agents and they had a couple of mexican uh cops as well and they're gonna go in there and you know make the people who were responsible for camarena's death pay for what they did and initially it looks like you know they're gonna get something accomplished they snatched the doctor they kidnapped the commander and it looks like they're working their way up the ladder but as the commander told them you guys aren't committed fully in order to accomplish what you're gonna accomplish you're gonna have to cross the line and the united states as we saw were not willing to cross that line because everything that was involved with what happened with camarena it really went up the ladder And there's going to be a lot of political ramifications that I don't think that the United States wanted to deal with. So this was really kind of like a half measure, like, oh, we're going to go in there. We're going to do this. But I, I never thought they were really committed to doing what they were to doing what was necessary to get the job done. And I think that was foreshadowed in the second episode when they're uh, trying to get information out of the Mexican commander. And he tells them, you know, this is what needs to be done. And you guys don't have the stomach for it or the clearance. Better yet, they did not have the clearance because the Scoop McNary character, he wasn't your like straight laced by the book. He was willing to go outside and color outside the lines here. And he really did some stuff that uh, we haven't seen other heroes, if you will, if he's the hero uh, to Felix's villain. He did some stuff that you typically don't see uh, your straight lace heroes. You know, he colored outside, aligned a little bit. And, um, but yeah, when it came down to it, they didn't have the clearance and nobody really, nobody really cared to get things, to get justice for Geek. And, you know, we ended where we started pretty much. A couple of people went down for it, but not enough because nobody wanted to really climb up that ladder and get to the top and see who was involved with everything, you know, because I think that would involve both sides whether mexico or the united states so yeah that's where i'm gonna wrap up my review slash discussion on narcos mexico season two it was really enjoyable i ran through it rather quickly and now i'm kind of sad that i don't have any more episodes it's definitely not a light watch you know it's a bit heavy there is some dark dark moments especially in this season well last season as well maybe overall when you get to when you talk about the three seasons in colombia these two it gets really dark at times so you got to be in the mood you got to know what you're getting yourself into anyway we're gonna come back eric's gonna join me and we're gonna talk about sonic is it the greatest movie video game movie of all time well stick around and we'll tell you the atia show rolls on Welcome back, and as promised, this is ATIA 3.0, 3.4, who remembers? Anyway, this is the new iteration of the show, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, Eric is joining me for the segment, and for the show, really. Eric? Hello. Say hello to the people. Yeah, hello, people. I just said hello two seconds well, ago. Well, say to the people hello again, people that may know you, people they yeah. may not know hello, you. Hello, people, people I know are... I don't know, or people who I know are watching, or people who live outside of Stockton. You're actually listening. All right. Anyways, 
as I said before, we're going to talk about Sonic here. We're, we're not going to try to get into spoilers, but, you know, in case that happens, we apologize in advance. We're just going to give you our overall thoughts, how we felt about it, and where it ranks amongst video game movies. So, Eric, Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, so usually video game movies are likely to suck, but I know your favorite video game movie is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. 100%. Actually, you know which movie I really like? They came out recently, the last two, three years. What? I really like the Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander. I know that it was like sort of lukewarm reception but i i really liked it and i'm really looking forward to the sequel next spring oh all right that's interesting but anyway back to sonic so doesn't sound like you're interested in okay it, but whatever let's continue <laughs> so yeah this film has had some problems in production but um uh, it's all been worth it because when the first trailer came out everyone hated the design on sonic so they went back and changed it and change the design. I gotta say, um, thank God they did that because it looked atrocious and became a meme. But thankfully, they handled it uh, maturely. And um, yeah, they actually changed the design. And um, the design looks really good. And I gotta say this. Um, uh, I was expecting the film to be bad. I wanted it to be like, you know, just some dumb fu- popcorn fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I, was, I know you're looking to hate on this movie. Let's be honest. Yeah, I was. But um, I gotta say is that um, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. So did I. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Is it the world's perfect movie? It's far from that. But it is enjoyable. And here's the thing that really took me by surprise. The amount of heart in the movie. Because although we didn't explore it as much as I wanted to. It's about being who you are and not having to hide. And the fact that Sonic is really isolated. And he gets to live his life like almost like looking through a window. Because he feels that he knows these people from Green Hills where he lives. But he really doesn't because he never gets to interact, you know, other than just kind of being a creeper. And, um, you know, it's those themes of isolation and finding your own place as far as him having to hide who he is in order to survive. Yeah, that's surprising. So, the thing is with films like this is like where you have like a popular character interact like, but they exist in like their own world of fantasy, but they interact like they come to our world. It's like, right. it's usually like to be dumb or like sucks. Like, I can't think of any specific examples right now, but I'm sure there's like films in like in this century, in this century that have been like that. Yeah, and this exactly. film, like, it's surprising it worked this time but at least it was mature about the tone and yeah it tried to be, although it was kind of silly at times and, and and to emphasize that point it was we got jim carrey old school jim carrey from the 90s although what did you think of his performance i gotta say it's like jim carrey now he's like um he's been i've i can't think of any specifically mm-hmm. but he hasn't been like what he is like back in the 90s and like he's now he's a like, serious yeah, but, like, now he's back to his, um, like, to how he was in the 90s. And I'm going to say, I really liked how they handled uh, him in this film. And now, um, uh, the villain of Sonic is being called Dr. Eggman, but when he was originally called Robotnik. Yeah. And I like how in the back film they... I knew him. Like, yeah, but now in the film they... If, now, but in this film now, they call him Dr. Robotnik. And I liked how they actually went back that old path. Yeah, I really like I liked his performance. Although I didn't think he quite hits the same gear when you know from the nineties, like Dumb and Dumber, um, Pet Detective, The Mask. He had that same approach, that same kind of tone, but I don't think he really hit that gear. I don't know if it's because he hasn't done that in so long or because he's a much older man. But nevertheless, I, I like what he brought to the table. At times, it felt like it might be a little too much, but it's Jim Carrey, and I think he manages to keep it 
just on track enough to where it wasn't derailed the movie, but to where it's silly enough where it's enjoyable, I thought. At yeah, least. I'm sure there's like um, a one or two jokes that like it, it like it didn't quite hit the like hit the mark. And it's like, yeah, I could think of one specifically that involved chili dogs. Sorry, you guys knew there's going to be chili dogs in this. They're not like, OK, that's geared towards children or whatever. But other than that, like you said, there's a few jokes that hit, that don't hit. Right. Yeah. Um, but One specifically part- is, um, uh, like, it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So basically, Sonic's, like, beating the crap out of his items. And he's like, oh, give me a break. And I'm like, that fell flat. <laughs> I-, I don't remember that being in I don't even remember that being in the movie, to be honest. But, but like, that was in the trailer. So that's Yeah, that's not, not a spoiler. If it's in the trailer, it's not a spoiler. So, um... I thought that, jeez, uh, I'm blanking out on the guy's name who did the voice. I know he's uh, John Raffio from Parks and Rec. Do you remember the guy? Oh, Ben Schwartz. I thought that for when they, when I knew that Ben Schwartz was doing the voice for Sonic, I'm like, oh, man, is this good? Is it, am I going to hear John Raffio do Sonic? But no, he actually disappears into the character. And there was like little to no times where I thought of John Raffio while watching this movie. Did they, was that a distraction for you at all? Or did you think uh, of- no, not really. He just really like felt like his own thing, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. Is like, I, where, how I feel like you should. Um, uh, some people approach this. Um, uh, like how you should. Like you shouldn't. If like an actor has like, uh, like uh, fame or like you know has a bad reputation, you shouldn't uh, like judge them from that. You should judge them from what the character like, we're watching. What you're seeing them. Definitely. Which brings me to James Marsden, who is most famously. Uh, famous for playing uh, Scott Summers, aka Cyclops, but I never thought of him as Cyclops throughout this movie. And he's kind of like the straight man. He he's like the more serious, you know. He's not the one cracking the joke. It's and he's like, like the human companion. Human companion, you know, kind of a cliche character or whatever. Like what like films like this today. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't have a ton to do as far as comedy type of stuff. And he played the role mostly like straight up, you know, like the more serious of the two. But I thought in contrast to what Sonic brought to the table, it kind of works together. I mean, this is not a performance you're going to say, hey, let's give this guy an Academy Award or anything like that. Right. But for what the movie is, I felt it worked, at least for me. Is there any complaints you have? Uh, No. Yeah, you're right. Like the act, most of the performances in this movie is like it's like it's it's good. It's good enough. But it's not like, whoa, like Academy Award winning or anything but also another thing i'd like i i'd like to say about this movie is that if you don't know the sonic character or like know nothing about him or don't know like uh, like his like his origin. origin or anything like or the easter eggs because this film it has a lot of a easter lot egg. of easter eggs like and i feel like if you don't know the character then this film won't mean as much you know what, you're right about that because half of the enjoyment was knowing the character. Like I said, I'm a Nintendo guy and I played mostly Nintendo, but I am very familiar with Sonic. And, you know, I know a good deal about like his background and all the cool Easter egg stuff we got in the movie. And you're right, that did make the movie more enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And it's like more old school Sonic, not like the modern Sonic. The better Sonic, as yeah, exactly. I like to call him. But yeah, like overall, it's 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 a decent movie. It's funny. Like if you got the time, if you like the character, uh, if you grew up watching, I think you'll have a pretty good time. If you have kids, take your kids. I mean, it's kid friendly, and you're not gonna be bored out of your mind. At least, I wasn't. All right, yeah. Um, I don't want to go into specifics because I don't think any of them were revealed into the trailer. What the jokes in this film, and surprisingly, some of them worked, and some of the jokes in the film. I don't want to get into 
uh, spoilers because I don't think any of them were revealed in the promos. But I'm thinking, like, I think they took some risks with some of the kids' jokes. But at least they know that kids aren't stupid oopit half the time and like how they're like yeah ready for more than that like i don't want to bring up specifics though but there's like a joker t- i'm sure you will get a feeling like a joker too it's like okay that was a risk to put in the but, movie but yeah i'm right. sure like kids will be fine it won't like mess them up or anything a kid will watch it and i'm sure kids will like it and um something very annoying that happened in our screening is that in the opening scene is in the logos it's like oh the movie's starting come out sonic like i just wasn't there like a little kid sitting yeah like next to me and it's like (laughs) he's like three years old like even when i was a kid i wasn't this annoying exactly because the movie was two seconds in like oh we're sonic i'm like dang can we wait for the freaking logos too but whatever you know he's a little kid we'll give him a pass but yeah that's pretty much how i feel about it um it did fairly well in the box office. So if it continues, you know, this upcoming weekend, I think we're probably on track for a sequel. Yeah, I'm sure when you watch the movie, you'll know at the end if there'll be a sequel or not. I won't say if this Either was, way. Yeah. yeah if, sequel or not sequel. But, like, you'll know, like, when you watch the film. But let's be honest. This is a franchise type of movie, right? With the character that people know. So if it's successful, you're obviously going to get at least two more movies. Because that's the trend in Hollywood today. So, if this movie has any type of success financially, then you know... Sorry about that, guys. Uh, We had the wife slash mother slash boss walk in as we were wrapping up the show. That's our fault. We should probably put up a sign when we're recording so that people know not to walk into yeah, the recording put, area. Um, recording, quiet, now please shut up. Eric is insistent in that in that part. I was telling him, we should just have the sign say, recording in progress. And what did you what did you want to add well, to Well, people need to know specifically. They need to <laughs> shut up and I think away. people understand if we're recording that we want the minimal amount of noise and Please don't open the door. Anyways, we're just about wrapping up. Yeah, that's what we thought about the movie. We're probably going to get sequels if it's financially successful. And I actually I think it was. Me neither. Uh, I actually would like to see it, you know, uh, get a couple movies. Well, we might hate the next one. We'll see what happens. But anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Remember, I am on Twitter at A-R-T-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z-04. That's artgon 4 slash Twitter. You could always email the show at atiapod at gmail.com. That's A-T-I-A-P-O-D. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Music, please leave us a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. I butchered that, huh? I said five. Really funny. Anyway, five-star review. And if you're listening to us on Anchor, drop us a voicemail. Let us know how you feel about the show, if there's anything you would like us to cover. For now, that is all.